the gypsies have landed on a planet which appears to have been abandoned in a hurry by its inhabitants who resemble man to an extraordinary degree. There is very little oxygen in the atmosphere which seems to have been polluted by the fumes of industry and motor cars. The fish is in the sea and all the animals on the land are dead. Only the cockroaches have survived as they will. A clue to the mass exodus lies in the huge red signboards set up at the roadside everywhere, with arrows pointing down rough tracks, which disappear into the landscape. Jimbird Flyflower is trying to decode the language, as he has a theory. A piece of garbage, said Dolan, sitting on the edge of the defunct fountain in the city square. You mean they just used it up and left? Like somebody throwing away an empty tin? That's exactly what I'm getting at, me child, said Jimbird excitedly. But we needs a bit of proof, a bit of corroborative evidence, as you might see. Then where do we start looking, said Dolan. Well, said Jimbird, as the others gathered around him, infected by his enthusiasm. I reckon the first thing to do is start back the spacecraft and get a few lungfuls of clean oxygen. This dirty air is doing us no good at all. Then I'll tell you me plan. Back in their three respective spaceships, with their radio switched on as an intercom, the gypsies breathe the clean air of their atmospheric reprocessing systems and listen to Jimbird's idea. It was brief but it seemed practical. Number one, he said. We visit every shop in the city which looks as if it sells newspapers, magazines and such. Number two, we tries to find the house of a person of reasonable intelligence who may have kept a diary, a kind of log of the deterioration of the place so as we can see just what happened to the poor devils who lived here. We'll take along me little gizmo here. Which is a kind of language scrambler, or unscrambler, depending on how you looks at it. It may just come in handy. But first, we better get something inside us. And in spite of all that food laying about in the grocery shops, we reckon it'd be safer to stick to the space capsules in our galley. As usual, Dolan was careful to avoid the compartment labelled Fish Fingers and Beans. said Jimbird, as Flipper Pilkington stopped the minibus in the silent city square. We all sets off in different directions, pick up as many newspapers and such as we can, and meet back here in one hour precisely. And that's what they did. The gypsies weren't all that discriminating, or perhaps a little too discriminating, in what they had selected. Although all came back with arms full of newspapers, which Jimbird eagerly took and instantly began to study. Flipper Pilkington had secreted about his person a periodical that bore a surprising resemblance to Playboy magazine. Farther out had something a little like the Christian Science Monitor, which he held at arm's length and sneered at, 
while Crispin Lobb Mincing produced a very technical-looking publication, which nobody could understand, although he appeared to derive some satisfaction from a perusal of it. Dolan, Ivan, Billy and Bratto had, without much difficulty, dug up some kids' comics, which looked a little like the Beano, and were now chuckling over the pictures in them, although they hadn't the slightest idea of what the words in the balloons meant. Quiet over there, said Jimbird, not unkindly, and let a fella try to unravel this cat's cradle of a language. So, as far as I can gather, said Jimbird Flyflower, after about half an hour, there seems to have been some kind of disaster, on a huge scale, which was followed by its natural successor, Panic. And that began at an eye level in government, and spread downwards through the social strata, until everyone here was dirty in their britches and worrying what to do. I can't tell exactly the nature of the disaster from these here papers, all they seem to go on about is exhaustion. Not other people, but other resources. They used everything up. So they simply jumped in their spaceships, blasted off, and started searching for somewhere else to make a start on. Dolan was near to tears. But how could they have used up everything? On the face of it, it looks like such a beautiful planet. Why'd they have to go and spoil it? Why? Jimbird Flyflower put his one consoling arm about Dolan's shoulders. Don't go breaking your heart, me child. Worst things happen at sea. Now, let's put phase two of me plan into action. Let's try to find out exactly what did happen. It was a long search. Flipper Pilkington drove them from one house to another in search of someone who might have set down some kind of record of what had happened to the wasted planet. They did find things to interest them all over them, however. One building they came upon seemed to resemble a church of some kind. Father Out eagerly stepped inside. He was puzzled by the lack of a cross. In its place above the altar was a wheel. Festy Snarkbuster and Crispin Lob Mincing were very taken by a large building, which housed equipment which they both recognised as transistorised, but could not fathom out its purpose. Knobs, dials, switches and faders were everywhere. It was not until they saw a microphone that they realised they were in a radio station. Billy the telephone freak Perkins had a gleam in his eyes when he thought of the possibilities here presented. You will recall that Billy had run away from home because of his parents' anger at his habit of calling numbers at random all over the world, thus striking up friendships with perfect strangers as far apart as Moscow and Hawaii, and accumulating huge telephone bills in the process. But his interest waned when he remembered that there was no electricity to operate the equipment. Dolan, Ivan and Bratto were absorbed by the recreation room in the same establishment. It had packets of crisps, nuts and so on, which Dolan gazed at longingly. An instrument not unlike a guitar, which Ivan took down from the wall where it was hanging, tuned it, and began to play some of the Elizabethan airs 
he'd learned from John Dowland. And one of those punch balls set on a springy stem, which Bratto belaboured with enthusiasm. Jimbird Flyflower and Flipper Pilkington watched all this with indulgence, which eventually slipped over the edge into impatience. Come on, you lot, said Jimbird, or we'll never get this sorted out. Besides, you're using up what remains of the oxygen in these parts. Eventually, they found what they were looking for. It was a large, old-looking house set back from the road and almost hidden by an untidy and obviously neglected garden. This didn't make much difference now, as all the plants were dead. The house looked a little like what would be called on Earth Tudor. It was whitewashed, with timber beams set in the walls and a rather unlooked-after thatched roof. They went inside and Jimbird the taps of his crutch echoing from the walls, led the way to what was obviously a library or study. Here the walls were lined with books, some of them magnificently bound, many of them a little tatty in appearance, as though well used. Piles of thick, interesting-looking magazines were distributed about the place at random. The room had a lived-in look. Jimbird browsed about the large desk, shuffling through various papers and then found what he was looking for. It was a cassette tape recorder. In it was a cassette, ready to play. Jimbird slowly translated the words written in a bold hand on the label. To whom it may concern. Hmm. Well, that seems to be us, he said. He pressed the play button. What came out was incomprehensible. Half a moat, said Jimbird and plugged in his gizmo, his language scrambler, which was operated by batteries like the cassette recorder, and spun the dial. Various strange sounds were emitted, but eventually the gypsies heard English. Jimbird rewound the cassette to the beginning. And this is what they heard. Welcome to the remains of our planet. And I say remains advisedly. It is not a living thing anymore. It is a mere shell. We have exploited its resources shamelessly and without forethought. We have burned every atom of fossil fuel, oil and natural gas, until vast areas of the planet's crust simply collapsed into the holes we had made beneath the surface. Millions of people were drowned in the ensuing floods. We put down insecticides in an attempt to grow crops that would be free of attack by insects. The result? We decimated the bird population and killed a lot more people who ate the tainted bread. There was a small sea, more or less landlocked except for a single narrow connection with the large neighbouring ocean. We calculated that the entire contents of that sea were replaced from the ocean every eight years or so. Sounds like the Mediterranean, put in Dolan. And that was the first of our waters to go. There were conferences, of course, attended by pompous men who made pompous pronouncements and pompous promises, none of which were effected, naturally. The need to keep economies going just to balance the books overrode all. Oh, how we foolishly worshipped figures on pieces of paper. And so industrial effluent poured into it with obvious results. Dead fish and eventually dead children who swam in it. 
Soon we were using other seas and oceans as our dustbins on the idiotic assumption that if you can't see it, it isn't there. To cut a long story short, we consumed everything and polluted everything else until there was nothing left. A last-ditch attempt to use solar energy failed because there was no metal left in the ground to build the reflectors. And our final and greatest mistake was to cut down the tropical rainforests at our equator to make way for farmland. Sounds just like the Amazon, said Dolan. Now, everyone knows about photosynthesis, the process whereby green plants of all sizes take in carbon dioxide and sunshine as part of their growth mechanism and emit oxygen as a by-product. The two obvious things happened. With the rainforests gone, the farmers got one good crop, and then the rains and the winds came and washed and blew the thin topsoil away, and we had not only lost farmland, but what was in effect the lung of our planet, and we had created a huge new desert. We saw no alternative but to get away before the little remaining oxygen ran out and we all asphyxiated. We don't know where we are going. We have not studied our galaxy with the attention that it warranted, being more concerned with our creature comforts. But we are determined to find a new home. And what is left of us is determined to make it a good place, a clean place and a happy, worthwhile place to live in. And now I advise you to leave this planet of destruction and futility before the fumes destroy you too. There was a silence in the room, and then Jim Bird Flyflower spoke. Well, now you know, he said. No, you know.